I uh, look forward to being at a game where the sun is not beating down specifically on me for three hours and 20 <laughs> minutes. But uh, as with everything, we're all just trading for Notre Dame now. Less than two weeks uh, left to go. It was a very hot 2019 home opener for the Dogs on Saturday, but with the awesome field dedication ceremony for Vince Dooley during pregame and some exciting football played by Georgia, we all went home pretty happy after witnessing a 63-17 to win over the racers of Murray State. Hey there, my name is Scott Duvall, and you're listening to episode 190 of the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. My co-hosts, Will Leach and Tony Waller, join me today to share our thoughts on the Georgia game as the Dogs improved to 2-0 and face off against Arkansas State next week. So here's our Sunday Skype call. Hope you enjoy this short recap episode, and we'll be back later this week with our full in-studio pregame show for the Arkansas State game. And here's Will to get us started. All right, gentlemen, I don't know about you, but uh, I am more the unrelenting beating down rays of the sun than person right now <laughs> that was uh, I sat next to a seven-year-old little boy who absolutely refused to leave a second before the clock hit zero 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 which made for a longer afternoon in a very sunny day that I would have liked but otherwise I didn't find too much to argue or really too much to even note a ton about in a 63-17 kind of stomping of uh, Murray and his states. Uh, anything immediately jump out to you guys other than that we love five points bottle shop? <laughs> well, I think the biggest thing that you can take away from that is I think the conditioning is pretty good. Uh, it is awesome that I think everyone that dressed out saw the field. And because you stuck around, you got to see uh, Brittany's first college interception in person. My turn. Yeah, if you want. (laughs) My thought on it, you know, I would have been a lot warmer or hotter or sweatier or more uncomfortable had I not seen the news report about an hour before explaining that we were experiencing an Arizona-type heat because the humidity was down. So maybe it was like a placebo effect or something, but that was my take on the heat. It didn't really bother me. In fact, I think I was sitting next to Will, and we kind of agreed that it was hot, but it wasn't Austin P hot like it was last year. It wasn't Ole Miss. It wasn't Ole Miss hot either. It was not Ole Miss. I was just about to say, uh, Tiffany, Wayne, and I discussed that, and we all agreed that the Ole Miss game was hotter. As far as the game, that first quarter, I did mention the word Nickel State (laughs) to Will after that pick six by Murray State, and Will just kind of looked at me like, you know, dude, not even close, not even close. And then – Georgia goes on to rattle up 35 straight points in the second quarter, and everybody was smiling and laughing and continuing to hydrate. So uh, all all is well. I thought it was telling. Uh, obviously, Fromm only played uh, that one first quarter, and then um, uh, up until they ran up enough in the second quarter. I did find it interesting uh, that this seemed to be – It certainly wasn't an error raid game to any stretch of the imagination, but this was a game where they felt more comfortable passing. Uh, We certainly, uh, I maybe someday we'll refer to this as the as the Pickens uh, breakout or the Pickens the the moment where the uh, the actual field performance matched the viral videos coming out from camp. Uh, certainly I, for a team that they could have just ran over and in a lot of ways did just kind of run over, they did throw the ball down the field in a way that felt. Almost just like they were stretching their elbows a little bit, not just with Fromm, but even with Stetson Bennett, the third or the fourth or however many eyes were on the back of his jersey uh, uh, later on. 
Yeah, and I think it was telling to me, one thing I was heartened to see, is that even when we had third and short, we stretched the field. We ran jet sweeps or toss sweeps or, or you know, quick. The, the thing that we talked about last week that was really confusing, that we didn't use all 56 yards across the field to allow our speed uh, to, to, to just to leverage our speed. And they did that plenty. And, you know, Scott has been on the Eli Wolf train from day one. He showed out, and he had almost many yards uh, yesterday as he did his entire career at Tennessee. And, uh, and wow, we, we can get to Tennessee in a minute. But, <laughs> Wait for that. Um, and, boy, will we. But the thing about it is, like, the offense in the first quarter, uh, Chris and I were talking about last night, my wife and I were talking about last night, and I was just like, Why? what happened? I said, well, I said, you have to understand, the first drive we took almost five minutes. Very workmanlike, but we, oh, I guess, four minutes. And then, you know, this, this, we were on our second drive. Oh, we fumbled on the, uh, I'm sorry, we fumbled on the second drive. The third drive, you know, we fumbled the ball inside the 30. I mean, we were, we were that close to making this a, 14 to 0 game, you know, with barely a sh- much more than a shrug. And then, you know, the fumble happened. We sacked them and then we just blew coverage. And Coach, uh, Coach Smart talked about that in the just like, hey, you know, we've got to get better at that. We have to recognize we don't have safety help when we, when we call the plays. And he said, you know, Webb's, a, he's growing. He's, uh, he practices hard every day. There's things he's got to learn. And that was one of them. I mean, because, you know, it doesn't matter. This is college. And if you let a guy get five steps past you, you're not going to run him down in 40 yards. And that's exactly what happened. And everyone talking about George Pickens, I mean, that was almost immediate. And, and deservedly so. That catch he made, that 43-yard reception, uh, how he Unreal. protected the ball with his body to where it wouldn't be bouncing out or maybe there would be a, a review. There was no review on that play. How many plays where a receiver stretches out like that do you not even get a stoppage, uh, which really kind of correlates how amazing that catch was. And the funny thing is I, I read uh, Chip Tower's article after the game, and Kirby was, was uh, quoted about that Pickens or about Pickens' overall play, and Kirby said, was the block on DeAndre Swift's long run. And to me, that's vintage Kirby Smart, kind of not even acknowledging the fact that his receiver was making NFL-type catches. He's still preaching that blocking mentality, which he should. I agree with that, because the only way Pickens gets to make those catches and Eli Wolf gets to make those catches is for those receivers to be blocking and springing the running backs to where it sucks the defense up, and then they can blow them up over the top. And then one other thing, Air Raid was an effect for that series because it was three plays, 80 yards. It went Pickens, Wolf, Pickens. Uh, there was a lot of tight end stuff, actually, particularly with Fromm. I actually saw more uh, tight end stuff with Fromm. We, we saw that a little bit in the first game, too, right? Like, I think that we're feeling more and more uh, Wolf. Uh, I don't know how much they would have missed Luke Ford anyway, but Wolf looks like he's as integral a part of this offense as they've as they've had kind of since the Nauta time, right? And I think that like uh it was fun for me to see that be a part of it. It's funny we keep talking about air raid. You know Murray State like runs an air raid offense. <laughs> like it didn't really feel that way because uh Georgia was kind of all on them. But that one play they had the touchdown, which apparently I did I have not watched the telecast. Apparently Vince Dooley called that Murray State was about to score a touchdown from the booth, <laughs> so which I, which I think is a, kind of impressive. I have not said this is just what I'm reading from people's coverage of it. I have not actually seen the broadcast of it, but their one play felt like, you know, Georgia's defense 
facing an air raid offense was clearly a, yeah, we're not going to even acknowledge that you're air raid. We're just going to come at you like we always do. It got, there was one that was, the, there was a one play on that touchdown that, that tied it up that, may, that may have cost them. But otherwise, I mean, you could barely, I, I feel like your defense is doing something good, even against a lower team like Murray state when they're an air raid offense, which usually just looks so dramatically different. And it didn't look dramatically different than me. It, to me, it looked like just they kind of couldn't get any of the things they wanted to get done, done. I mean, of course we had the, the big sacks and that was, I think that was to be expected considering, considering the fact that they do try to throw the ball a lot. And, and there is obvious uh, talent, obviously talent disparities on the edge and the blocking. But the other part about it is that even late in the game, we were harassing them. Even almost to the point where they were just like, and the last drive, they just ran the ball. They're like, you know what? We're just, I just, just don't, don't punch us anymore. <laughs> um, and the other part about it, and we were talking about with, um, you know, one of the things we're talking about with the, the passing to the tight end, especially over the middle, is. That feels like to me, and I'm not saying this will come. I'm not, and certainly not predicting the air raid out of Georgia that 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 we so famously protected uh, projected early earlier uh, two weeks ago. But um, it feels a little bit like left-handed jabs to the body in a boxing match that we're showing. Hey, we can do this. We can do this. We can do this, and that just basically sucks coverage to the middle because when you got a threat like Robertson or Pickens that you can throw to on the edge. That provides dividends. If they're going to if they're going to cheat to the edges, well, throw to Eli Wolf in the middle. We're fine with that because Georgia's offense will, will click along just nicely at 13 yards of play if you let us have that in the middle. Um, and then, of course, that pulls linebackers back in coverage and allows the second and third level runs out of the running backs. Remember in our preview podcast this week, I was kind of asking you to define the havoc plays because I wasn't able to see them. I was looking for actual tangible stuff uh, against Vanderbilt. Well, I think we got him on Saturday in six sacks and 11 tackles for a loss and the J.R. Reed scoop and score. You still see those very often. And uh, really the, the part that tells it is uh, also with Murray State being six for 16 on third down conversions. I think the Havoc plays were in effect. And I would anticipate to see a few more this coming week in Arkansas State almost as like they were gearing up or fine-tuning for the big event uh, less than two weeks from now. So the game itself – Whatever. I mean, Stetson Bennett threw a pick six, uh, and but you know, otherwise utilized his receivers a lot. I think more than Brom did. Whatever. It's Murray State. They stomped their air raid. Uh, they didn't cover. Uh, it's fine. To me, the the real thing, the story of the day, was Dooley Field and that kind of idea. I did not get into the stadium in time to do that, but I kind of loved. Here, everybody drink the Seth Emerson recap of that, where he really talked about how it wasn't so much about Vince Dooley, though obviously he was a part of it, as much as this is a cult. This it feels like Georgia football, and we can talk maybe this a little bit more on the on the big on the big show this week. But it feels a little bit like this is to the kind of contentious way that he left and kind of how in the wilderness uh, he was, as much as the, anyone in the wilderness that lived, you know, uh, five points for years and had Barbara Dooley around uh, uh, as uh, publicizing everything. Uh, it felt like what had to feel like a vindicating return for Dooley, uh, not only to have the field named after him, but to have the program committing to kind of his idea of uh, Georgia football and kind of the, the dedicating so many resources to football that he'd been wanting them to do for a long time and they hadn't always necessarily been doing. It had to feel like a vindicating day for him, uh, regardless of just the stadium itself. Well, if you listened to the podcast last week and you heard 
Scott asked me kind of about the, the history there and why now. Um, I alluded to and danced. I tried to, as artfully as possible, dance around some of the details of the reasoning, why it took so long. Um, Chip Towers actually wrote a great article uh, where he interviewed Ms. Barber. If you know Ms. Barber, she does not mince words or hold back. It's interesting. I saw her the next morning at that golf tournament, and it was like, hey, Ms. Barber, how's Chip? I didn't ask her. I was the one to say, it's like, you know, you just kind of threw your cards on the table, which, you know, if you've ever met Ms. Barber, that's, that's what you get. But it was, I think, it's a very interesting um, it's a very interesting embrace looking at what Georgia has become. And, and we talked about the through line that you, you probably don't have, or you maybe don't have Mark Rick because Dooley hired him. You certainly don't have, I don't think you have Kirby Smart, and certainly not Kirby Smart in the iteration or Georgia in the iteration we have without Mark Rick. It's interesting to me that he, uh, that, that Coach Dooley wore a red coat, and I, I don't know, I've ever seen him wear a red coat since he left the university um and uh it was a cool moment it wasn't overstated it wasn't understated everything just went perfectly well and it's a great little game right there to to get to get to to, to, i guess go out and exercise your legs a little bit and and get a lot of kids playing time and no one gets hurt and get to see some some differences in offense that people maybe last week would have been like oh boy we look stove up or whatever um that was not what we saw yesterday can I talk a little bit about the fashion of the basic Sanford Stadium feel, uh, having the first game of the 2019 season? I'll assume you say yes. Yes. Scott, please go ahead. So I will. Um, mentioning Dooley. <laughs> no, no. Mentioning Dooley's coat. Uh, I, I forgot which article. It might have been Seth. It was either Seth or Chip. He had received that about 15 years ago, that red blazer, at a Savannah football club meeting or something like that. And he was quoted as saying that, he thought that he had worn it once before, and as he was kind of looking through his closet, he came upon the red coat and thought, huh, this might be a really good look for for today on, on the ceremony, and, and I can't agree more. I, I would anticipate maybe some of these men's specialty stores, you might see a few more Georgia Bulldog red blazers uh, in stock coming up. I really like that. I also, I've noticed a lot more Georgia hats that really look good. I think some of the manufacturers, I know Tailgate Georgia uh, has some, and there's another place over in Epsbridge that has hats. That's another good thing if you're out there looking for some um, new fashion to wear to Georgia games. The other thing about Sanford Stadium itself, the tailgate scene, as Tony and Will can vouch for, I thought was spectacular for an FCS school. I think a lot of it had to do with the first game and the perfect game time being at 4 o'clock. Ran into Ugga. On the, I mean, he was in his car, but we, we saw Ugga on the way and got some pictures with the kids, which is kind of like, uh, I don't know, seeing a wizard or something. My kids flipped out. You know, they saw him before I did, and, of course, two went over got a picture. The stadium itself, I don't know if you all noticed the new strip lighting, the strobe lighting along, like, around the 200 level. I think that's going to be really key come a night game. You're going to see Sanford Stadium lit up. Uh, a lot, and then the the lights itself. My kids noticed that they were flickering during the Dooley Field dedication. Um, what's other thing? Oh, I had another note here. Retired jersey numbers were right behind uh, us in section one eighteen. That looks like they're backlit as well. That was pretty cool. Yeah, the Dooley Field is backlit as well. So I think basically they they spent who knows how much money on fancy LED lighting for San Francisco. I, I think it's going to look amazing come uh, Notre Dame game. Maybe maybe that's what they were planning for all along. And the final two bits, the water filling stations, 
gosh, I think I visited them three times. It was in and out. Great idea. And uh, Chick-fil-A, everybody else is crowded, but I wasn't even planning at Chick-fil-A. But the, I guess they run so efficiently, and they're not sponsor of this podcast, but they run so efficiently in Sanford Stadium. I literally was just like, well, there's no one in line. I'll go get a Chick-fil-A. And uh, I think they've really upgraded the facilities there because uh, I remember a couple years ago on this podcast, everybody was complaining about it. I'm glad they are spending some of that money that uh, is all coming in on something other than just training facilities. I think anytime they address the game day experience at all, I think that is a uh, that is a positive experience. But you're right. I, I uh, look forward to being at a game where the sun is not beating down specifically on me for three hours and 20 <laughs> minutes. So I'll be able to see those things backlit uh, and see what they look like. But uh, as with everything, we're all just trading for Notre Dame now. Less than two weeks uh, left to go. Um, all right. So we'll do our regular uh, big uh, post game. Hey, 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 Scott, do we need to do we need to talk about our sponsor? Well, I was going to mention the fact that Robert Wolf, no relation to Eli Wolf, tweeted us a picture of an El Barrio cup. I think he was having a tasty beverage at El Barrio yesterday. And then Vox Hockley chimed in saying that he had bought some libations at Five Points Bottle Shop on the way home and wondering if that counted as well. I think so. I think it counts. I, I'll have you know, I have I have a ton of El Barrio cups at my house already, even before the sponsorship, just because I always get beverages in them and then and then I like to get one to go and walk home and pretend I'm drinking a water on the walk home uh, back to my house. So I've been, th- those are perfect tailgating cups or more to the point, perfect walk to the tailgate cups. So, uh, so, th- so if you see me holding one, know that it's not because I'm a corporate sellout. It's just because I'm trying to drink more efficiently. So know that that's happening as well. Um, but uh, otherwise, we're, we're ready to go. I, I also saw Robert. Uh, uh, I saw Robert this week as well, and uh, apologize to him for missing him in Nashville because that was a good time all around. Um, all right, so are we are ready? We are psyched. Uh, first home game out of the way. We got a nooner uh, coming up, and then uh, and then it's full on. It's Notre Dame time, gentlemen, and it's full series. But we'll have a regular show this week, right? You're, we're, this is not all you've heard from us. This is not all we have to say on the Murray State. Experience. Oh no, no, I have plenty to say about Tennessee. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's uh, we'll hold that until uh, whatever day this week we podcast. But man, yesterday was a perfect day of football. If you can't enjoy everything that happened yesterday, you just don't like football enough. This week is we're recording on Wednesday, so it'll be out a day later than than usual. So just make a note of that. I know y'all will be uh, waiting with bated breath for the next show. Okay, all right. Otherwise, we'll see. We'll see you. Uh, we'll see everybody this week. And um, uh, go dogs. Go dogs. And thanks so much for listening. Make sure to follow us on social media. We sometimes ask for some questions or comments you might have, but really. You can send photos or questions anytime you'd like. We already have a few listener questions keyed up for our next pregame show to discuss. By the way, you can tweet us or DM us on Instagram at WSLS Podcast or leave us a review on iTunes. So enjoy your air conditioning, and you'll probably be enjoying it throughout the week. We all need it after that scorcher of a game for the home opener, but it's great to have tailgating and football back in the classic city. We'll see you on campus next week as Georgia takes on the Red Wolves of Arkansas State. And as always... Go dogs.